This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Anna Gong, CEO of Perks Technologies. We discuss the backstory of how Anna transformed the company from a consumer to an enterprise mobile loyalty platform embedded with AI and where it is leading. Last but not least, we discuss the trends of SaaS models and women leadership in the workplace. Hi, Anna. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. And where are you now? Singapore? I'm in Singapore, not traveling this week. Thank goodness. That's good. I'm talking to Anna Gong, CEO of Perks Technologies. And of course, I want to congratulate on your recent Women Entrepreneur Awards 2017 under the Pulsar category in Singapore. I understand Roslyn Koo and also Violet Lim are both on my show, also won it too. So uh, congratulations as well to you. Thank you very much. A great journey and uh, we look forward to the next few years to come. Yes. I want to start off by getting to know you better. How did you start your career and move from the US to Asia? I would say spending about 16 years in California, one of the startups that I was working at got acquired and my career started at PwC and back then it was Pricewaterhouse. And I worked on a number of large scale enterprise re-engineering projects, programming Java, SAP, ABAP. Uh, these are all big, hairy applications. And I realized quickly that designing and coding 15 hour days was just not what I wanted to do. And I also quickly moved into sales and business development during the dot-com boom days. Three fell startups. One successful one later, that was Wiley Technology, acquired by CA, you know, Computer Associates for around 400 million US um, back in 2006. And then 2009, I was asked by CA to move to Singapore when they requested someone to run the Wiley business for them in Asia Pacific. And I later moved to Japan after landing here six months and then was in Japan to help them improve the business and spending a year and a half there growing the business 220% year over year, I moved back to Singapore. And I've been here in Singapore ever since, you know, running technology companies and cloud businesses for these uh, large-scale um, global companies. So throughout your career, what are the more interesting career lessons that you can share with my audience? I've learned that you have so much control over your own destiny and stop making excuses that it's other people's fault or other factors stopping you from achieving your dreams and goals. I learned to persevere and be determined for success with the roles that we are in in leadership positions. You have to have a healthy mind, body and soul. So I also have taken up meditation, which is something that, you know, practice makes for perfection. And I've done that a lot. And I exercise regularly, eating healthily. And I really, you know, listen to my body. We cannot afford to get sick in these roles. And so many people depend on us on a daily basis. And I've also learned to hire and work with people much smarter than me, if I have any control over it. Building a great team from the get-go or from the very beginning of the company is quite critical. And that foundational team and leadership team is so important to the company's culture, DNA, and success. Which comes to the main topic of the day, which is about Perks, P-E-R-X. I understand that Perks started off as a consumer company and you pivoted it from a consumer to enterprise focus after taking over from the founders who have left the company. Usually this is very difficult to perform. It's like performing a surgery on a company. How do you end up with the challenge? 
You are absolutely right. It would be, you know, easier to start over from scratch. However, Perks was the pioneer of mobile loyalty since uh, 2011, and we steered this space in Asia and proud of it. So I wanted to maintain the brand integrity. I knew from the beginning that from my own experience with my service providers that something was seriously missing with consumer engagement in the digital age. And I was with one of the telcos here for nearly seven years, and over the years, my lifetime value was probably in the north of $80,000. However, never once was I engaged proactively And I spent so much money with them. And as my consuming behavior actually changed from very high, you know, $3,000 a month bill roaming fees to $250 a month, I still didn't get any engagement as to why my spending changed. And then uh, one day my PA was doing my expenses and said, your points are going to expire. And I said, what points? I didn't even know there was a rewards or loyalty program after being with them for seven years. She said, you have two weeks to spend the points. And I said, well, you know, shoot, I didn't even know that I had a loyalty program. So why don't you go treat yourself and use my points instead? Uh, She was quite happy about it. But afterwards, I moved over to another telco provider for a more, I would say, affordable package. And a week later, my old telco provider sent me an email to fill out a survey or feedback form to tell them why I left them. I mean, this is the kind of engagement that we get. It's very cold. It's very reactive. And my point is that these service providers spend the bulk of their marketing spends on acquiring new customers every year, but they have millions of consumers in their portfolio and they're treated like commodity or a forgotten obligation. And so, you know, why are we consumers who are already opted in being engaged? Why aren't we being engaged proactively and contextually? So that's one of the the reasons why, you know, I, I actually pivoted. Well, I, you know, the board actually recruited me. And they realized that the original founders had some challenges of, you know, meeting some shareholders' obligations and expectations, I would say. And it's all a professional reason. When you've had the company for, you know, four or five years and you haven't seen much change or scale, they wanted to bring somebody in who had startup experience as well as multinational professional leadership experience. And I came in with an agenda to actually help grow and transform the business, not necessarily pivot the business completely to B2B, but I think that was an accidental endeavor. You know, I came in and I just found a, a huge opportunity that nobody's serving. So I, I took that opportunity to do so. What have you done to mitigate the challenges to bring it to its present form then? Well, pivoting from a B2C to a B2B model, we first had to restructure the entire team, culture, and the core values of the company. And after raising Series A, I quickly invested in R&D and augmented our tech organization. I also hired industry A players to help execute my vision, such as the ex-SAP head of sales from Malaysia, who's an expert at selling into large enterprise accounts and structuring large strategic partnerships. He and I then, you know, built a new enterprise sales organization from September 2016 onwards. So this team is quite new, but we've accomplished so much in the short span of time. And we then hired a new head of marketing who's from MTV. Again, I cannot emphasize enough about building the right leadership team from the beginning. That's one of the most important things to scale and execute quickly for a startup. So in your perspective, what is the present mission and vision of Perks? Well, my vision for Perks is to become the world leader in mobile customer engagement. 
And our purpose, you know, with this whole mission in the digital age is to help organizations of all sizes in transforming how they actually acquire, engage, and reward their customers anywhere, anytime, via contextually and real-time predictive insight. What are the solutions of Perks that actually Perks help to solve current enterprise customers? Who are the customers of Perks and why do they use your solution then? You know, Perks Enterprise Platform is an integrated end-to-end cloud platform. It's driven by a mobile-first data-led approach, and it enables businesses to create unrealized uh, revenue stream by transforming their customers' data into a quite a powerful marketing platform. And our comprehensive integrated marketing technology leverages on insights and marketing automation, allowing brands to improve their customer engagement through user experience, customer data, and analytics. And the SaaS architecture is a plug and play. You're not really investing in the whole suite of products like the old days where it takes 18 months to implement. It takes us four to eight weeks to actually stand up the capabilities. So your fast time to market and quick time to market to realize revenue is a big value proposition. With more than five years experience in the space, you know, with the rewards app that we have, I think we're one of the few leaders in this category to have a reference implementation and testing it live in you know hundreds of thousands of users. So all of our R&D is first applied to the Perks app. You know, these enterprises comprise of top regional global banks, insurance companies, telcos, mass transit, hospitality, retail brands. There are different types of stakeholders who uses Perks. For example, the users, the merchants and the enterprise. How do you look at your solution in each of these categories? So the Perks app is a customer of the Perks Enterprise SaaS platform. We have a team that manages the app business separately from a user and merchant perspective. We also have a team that only focuses on the enterprise business, and that's the bulk of our business today, and that's where the high growth is coming from. The great thing is that all of our R&D that we conduct on the enterprise platform, we're able to test it on the Perks app, like I said before. First, you know, which is a great reference customer to our enterprise business. So it's basically using the consumer to learn and then go back to the enterprise, but you scale a different set of solutions for them. Is that how I understand it? Exactly. What is the coverage of Perks across Asia-Pacific at the moment? Perks is, you know, headquartered here. We built the traction in Singapore first. We've expanded to Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Hong Kong through our own wholly owned offices as well as through partners. Uh, Any other countries, for example, Hong Kong as well? Yes, so we are working through partners in Hong Kong, but we're looking to hire aggressively and open offices in these territories. You know, Indonesia would be a big strategic push for us in the second half. I'm looking at launching in India as well. So there's quite a few strategic regions, but we got to really focus on Southeast Asia where, you know, the bulk of the, the international players are not. And we see very little competition coming here and you know we want to take advantage of the first movers uh, position that would be in the indonesian market would be an eventual point of entry as well because they are the largest market in southeast asia right exactly exactly i am more curious about the product so i want to learn a little bit more because you have already stated that Perk focuses on mobile loyalty can you share any like interesting case studies or business examples they have users with your enterprise clients and, and some of the things that might help 
my audience to understand what your platform does for, for enterprises? Yes, so I can share two cases, but I can't reference the customer's name because they're sensitive. But these are top regional banks. We conducted a number of consumer card engagements with one of the banks launching their VIP cardholders campaigns where we gamify the experience and having to, without having to force a consumer to download another app, right? Because there's app fatigue in this market. And so we, we tested and A-B tested a number of different approaches. And we thought maybe gamification engagement was one of the quickest revenue drivers. We launched it through a web progressive app approach. We were able to stand up this campaign within two weeks, engage a pool of their VIP cardholders, incentivizing them to spend overseas. Every time they swipe their card with a certain amount, let's say, for example, over $500 overseas, they would then get some kind of notification and we would send them a scratch card. And then we would have, based on that campaign alone, we have over 90% conversion rate of users or consumers engage in that rewards campaign. And we also did a number of employee engagement campaigns with another top bank here. And during Chinese New Year, they pushed out to their entire employee base to incentivize and reward their employees and improve experience. Because as you know that, you know, in HR, there's very little employee engagement. Employees don't go to intranets anymore to look up information and to engage so they need to find a different way to engage their employees so upon receiving an adm or some kind of notification that takes them to this game there was nearly 71 percent engagement within the first two weeks and this is probably one of the most positive and the highest engagement rate they have ever had over 10,000 employees so you can see the efficacy of these different types of engagement I understand that recently you have also talked about perks as being also an AI company. So you're actually planning to put some form of machine learning into trying to help into the mobile rewards loyalty so that it can help the customer to figure out what the consumers want. Is that how I understand it? Correct. AI is a huge driver for us. I would say... You know, in the recently the in Davos, right, the World Economic Forum, seven they cited seventy six percent the AI from these top organizations. Seventy six percent of them cited AI as a fundamental, you know, key driver to the success of their organization strategy. So if that's the case, then you know what are organizations doing about it to adopt AI? And also, you know, if you look at it from a, an approach where AI is just more of an improved and contextual way of engaging businesses, people, and processes. So it's about repurposing assets and human resources and not replacing them. I think a lot of people have this panic mode that their jobs are going to be replaced or fundamentally they're going to be obsolete. But how do you now leverage, you know, some of the, your existing human resources by training them to use and leverage new technologies as well as repurposing? purpose their KPI. Probably some people would know who are the investors of Perks. Well, we have uh, been very lucky to have Golden Gate Ventures, Eduardo Saverin, RHL Ventures as our existing current investors, amongst others. We have a pretty established group of folks who are quite supportive around the region. Eduardo Saverin as in the co-founder of Facebook, right? Correct. We talk about perks, but I want to move into another topic, which I think you have been also in the community helping young people. I know you're involved in the YPG along with my wife, and you have obviously done a lot in women leaderships and also want to get your brain on about what are the trends across Asia with regards to the SaaS business. But first, let me start from as a woman business leader, what would be your advice to the younger generation of women and men out there? 
I would say in terms of the females, I, don't be afraid to ask for help. Seek mentors and, and entrepreneur peers to help and have, I would say get, don't get bogged down with all of the negativity and naysayers. Learn to take more risks and go after your dreams and goals. I think there's also a sentiment of, you know, just being afraid to fail. There's a fail, you know, fear of failure in this Asian mentality. And I would say success only comes from learning through challenges and mistakes. Um, we're, we're all human. So I think also we get too bogged down with just the mentality of work hard, work hard and work, work, work. But we must also enjoy the journey and ride and have fun while doing this, right? We forget about having fun and, and embrace the journey. I want to ask this question. I mean, the workplace definitely needs to change. And not, not just about like the infrastructure, but also the attitudes. What are the changes that need to be made so that we can see better diversity with women in leadership then? Well, this is not going to be solved today. We've been challenged with this topic for quite a long time. Certain regions have improved and some regions have actually went backwards. And I think it's a movement that we all have to embrace from both sides, male or female. And statistics show that having females on the board and in leadership roles actually result in more positive return for companies. And that, you know, if it stems from a cultural shift and mindset of these companies to change, it, it could be, a, you know, a massive uh, cultural transformation. And it's a continuous journey to improve. So I think we all have to embrace it from the top top-down approach. One interesting thing I wanted to ask you is a re with respect to the SaaS business in Southeast Asia. I mean, I've heard some SaaS founders feel that it's actually very difficult to do a SaaS business in Southeast Asia. What do you see from your experience with Perks? And do you think that there is still a cultural gap for companies to adopt SaaS services or do, are they still very reliant on very top-heavy type of business enterprise software tools? Well, I think in this region and globally, the traditional technology companies have dominated the market for a long time. SAP, IBM, Oracle, you know, even Salesforce and you name it. It's, it's the same players, Intel and so forth. But, you know, we don't in this day and age, we need to see real time and also be able to have an agile methodology so we can A-B test a number of revenue driving activities. And do you have 18 to 24 months or even five years to go through an implementation cycle before you actually reap the rewards of your investments, your IT spend? I think for the last 20 years, we've really focused on, you know, the optimization of your infrastructure, you know, moving specific services to the cloud and building a private or a hybrid cloud. Now we're talking about public cloud and public cloud has been a, a big challenge in most of these large organizations with so much data and the data privacy is one of the concerns. Security, cybersecurity is another concern. I think government is also, I think, uh, uh, playing a big part in this in public policy because they don't know what to, I would say, embrace or even to police. If there is something, they have to have a first mover's advantage, someone to take the leadership position. And don't be afraid to actually go out there. And even MAS is trying to ask the banks to go out there and mix, do some more tests. You know, go and here's a sandbox now. If you're afraid to do something outside, we'll build a sandbox for you and go and test it. And we'll give you some APIs to actually do some testing first before you go big. So I think there, the government and as well as the private sector are, are trying really hard to figure this out. But SaaS in, in terms of B2B, 
it's been around for so long, at least in the Western market. And it's coming hard and coming fast in Asia. And we want to embrace this. And we also want to push an agenda because B2C has been so saturated. It's catching up now. You see a lot of companies failing. Investments has been pumped in into a lot of e-commerce businesses and B2C approaches. But what about B2B? Where are the deep tech organizations were the deep tech startups and i think you know having companies like ours you know like cxa perks and some of these female founded deep tech solutions i think it's the first you know generation of movement are the enterprise adoption also dependent on the economies for example i think singapore hong kong japan or some cities within Southeast Asia are considered more developed where you also have an emerging market problem because it's so fragmented? Well, it's yes and no, because I would say very little legacy. Let's say Vietnam or Thailand and, and some of these more emerging markets, there's very little infrastructure legacy. So they're leapfrogging directly to digital banking, right? And as banking as an example. So they're, they're, some banks are not even building retail uh, physical bank branches there anymore because there's no need. And so, you know, looking at these regions, some of them are actually even more advanced as an emerging markets in terms of digital banking. And then you have the more mature markets like the ANZ region, Australia, New Zealand, where Australia is probably one of the highest adoption of cloud technologies in Asia Pacific. And then you have parts of greater China or even Hong Kong, where, you know, it used to be the, the financial hub, where they are still reluctant to move a lot of their services to the cloud because of a very conservative approach. But I think with Singapore naming you know, themselves and defining themselves as a fintech hub now, embracing a lot of different startups and innovation, it's a great thing for a lot of us to take that approach and then test it and then show the rest of the region that, you know what, SaaS is here and SaaS has been here and it's going to even go stronger. My penultimate question, where do you see the trends going for AI? I mean... I've been looking around in Asia and I think there are actually very few startups that are actually thinking about AI. I think you're probably one of the few that I know that's thinking about AI and mobile rewards. Where do you see that going at? Like I said, if most of these large organizations are citing that AI is a fundamental success to their strategy, they all see AI will radically boost their revenue and streamlining their organization structure. So if you're not adopting AI, it's AI is going to improve all of the different investments that you already put in. You know, you have so much data that you're collecting, but let's now leverage it in intelligently, more contextually. You know, how do we proactively engage with suppliers, businesses, people and processes? And so it's just really doing it smarter. And now, you know, with the adaptive learning, autonomous learning and so forth, it's just a, a new way of evolving tech. So I think it's inevitable that everyone will actually adopt AI eventually. We will be more, much more embedded as compared to where if you look at the first wave of companies, it's more direct consumer, like what you mentioned earlier, it's about e-commerce, but AI is a little bit more deeper tech embedded within much more for enterprise use. Do you see that? I think both for enterprise, it's a B2B to C, right? At the end of the day, enterprises are adopting AI to first improve some of their internal processes and you know the way they use data. 
and the way they engage internal practices. But then once they refine that, it's now leveraging AI. How do I engage my end consumers, my supply chain, my network ecosystem? And that, you know, eventually will be the, the revenue driver because if you're using AI now to engage your consumers or your employees or whatnot, then that inevitably will increase productivity, it will increase time to market, increase agility. I mean, there's so many things to, to consider. Anna, it's great to have you on the show finally. And also, thanks for sharing about the story of Perks and also about your thoughts on the SAS and AI space and of course, women leadership. And congratulations on your award as well. So help my audience, how do they find you? Well, thank you very much for this segment, Werner. I really appreciate this. And they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm a big user of social media, Facebook, Twitter. So please uh, come look for me and um, I'll be there waiting. And the website is getperks.com, right? If I'm not wrong. Yes. 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 You can find me at blongcw at bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E, Asia. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, or tune in and of course Google Play in the US market and of course tweet to me recommend us on Overcast give us a 5 star rating on iTunes once again Anna thank you for coming on the show thank you